How many of you guys, when you have a problem in your business, go to Google or you go to some Facebook you know, group with other gym owners on it? Or maybe you've joined some one of these marketing fuckface gurus private Facebook group and you go there with your questions and you get all these fucking dissenting answers from other individuals and you have no fucking clue who they are, what their background is. Do they even know what the hell they're talking about? Guys, I'm here to tell you that if you want specific problem solving advice for your micro gym, that's what I offer. I start off my relationship with every micro gym I work with with an initial business development call. It is a 60 minute call. You fill out a very lengthy involved intake form so that I can learn everything there is to know about your business so that when we get on that call, all 60 minutes are selfishly yours. You ask the questions you want. I'm going ahead and taking the data based on your intake form and providing you tailored solutions to the problems that are staring you right in the face right now so that when we get off the call, even if we never work together in the future, you can go ahead and start enacting those solutions and getting further down the road of where you want to be as a micro gym owner. If you're interested in talking with someone who's going to actually create something specific to you and help you problem solve and isn't trying to sell you on a 12-month commitment or give you a fucking PDF of you know systems that they gave to every other fuckface gym owner, then go ahead and shoot me a DM on Instagram at WTF Gym Talk and we can go ahead and talk back and forth to see if this is a good fit for you. And I'd love to have an initial business development call with you. Guys, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the podcast. Alrighty guys, what is up? It is Stu and it is another episode of the What the Fuck Gym Talk podcast. And I've got my good colleague and friend, Jason Khalifa on the podcast all the way from California. Jace, thank you for taking the time, man. Of course, man. Excited to be here. Thanks for, uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity. Absolutely. So, you know, I reached out to you the other day, shot you that text and it was, I don't know how I was going through an archive and I ran into the video where you had flown out to uh, New York City. You met with Gary Vee and it completely like trans- it took me back to this moment in time where I remember seeing your daily vlog start to emerge. And I remember being like, oh God, like Kalipa could totally be the Gary Vee of the fitness industry. This guy, he's, he's got all the parts. He's got the successful business. I cannot wait to see this unfold. And, and so I thought about that. And then I thought, you know what? I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever in my time even talking with you. I don't think we've ever really talked about it. And I was trying to think like, has he ever been interviewed on this? Cause I see a lot of gym owners, especially at a certain point, we were just talking off camera on it. They, they have success in the brick and mortar. And I think the popularity of like what a social media influencer and people's, you know, we talk about like their relationship with social media and what they think successful is they see guys flying around. They say, you know, people talking at the iron and mortar conference, they see all this stuff and they're like, I would love to have that. How do I develop a personal brand? And I think I'm all for it. Like I, obviously you and me have taken that route um, in addition to our, our micro gyms, but I also think there's a cautionary tale to be told. And I think there's some advice. I just, I just something I have not heard a lot of people talk about. And I figured you could be, you know, who better to, to jam with about this than you. So start me off, talk to me, take me back to that time. How did you even get into the, the setting to go meet with Gary Vaynerchuk? How did that happen? Yeah. I mean, good question. So uh, the, you know, over the years, I've developed a network of friends, colleagues, mentors, you name it. Sure. And, um, you know, through a friend of a friend of a friend, you could always kind of meet people. And I knew someone who, um, you know, knew Gary V pretty well. And I just got connected with them. And we were just having a conversation. And so it, it really started off in a few different ways. One is, um, I just wanted to get I just wanted to sit down. There was no intention, no there was zero like ask except for I just want to meet you 
And I want to ask you a few questions. I'm just really interested in your feedback. I'm not, that's it. And sure. so I was flying out there to do a, a, um, a presentation um, for a company. I was giving like a motivational speech for lack of a better term. And so while I was out there, I was like, oh, well, I'll hit up Gary Vee and I will go um, have this conversation. But then it didn't happen that time, if I'm not mistaken. So I flew out there, I think another time, if I'm not mistaken, just to meet with him. And he called me like three hours before. He's like, oh, I'm not going to be able to make it. And I was, I was just bummed, you know. Yeah. But um, long story short, we did, we did end up connecting for a very short period of time. And it was, it was a really um, inspiring conversation. I got to meet someone who really is just on a level 10, just on it. Exactly what you see is what you get. It was a really rewarding experience for me. But as I was going down that path, and starting a podcast called Amrap Mentality and really focused on that and growing that, I, I got a lot of people on the podcast that were pretty popular. And because I knew them through our network and I was friends with them for a while, so I asked them to be on and it grew. And the podcast was really interesting. So it was called Amrap Mentality. It was getting hundreds of thousands of downloads a month. It was popular. And I learned a lot from opening up that, that podcast. And one of the biggest a lot from opening up that one because I remember is was that the, is that your your coffee with Kalip is your short form one, Amrap mentality obviously came on the the back end of your book that you wrote. Yep. Right. What, so talk yep. to me like what did you learn mostly by by breaking that podcast out? So this is a, 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 a it, to 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 pull the layers back. Okay, you have Amrap mentality, which is a mindset that I've incorporated for years. You have um, Jason Kalip of the brand, whatever that is, and then you have NC Fit Business. And what was happening was I was pursuing Jason Kleep of the brand and Amrap mentality, the, the mindset through my book, through the podcast and Coffee with Kleep was just a Monday episode that we would do on the Amrap mentality channel. And I would interview athletes about mindset, things like that. And Lewis Howes was one of the guys who I originally sat down with that really, really inspired me. Um, I'll never forget what he said to me. He's like, it doesn't matter who you have on your show. It doesn't matter how popular they are. It doesn't matter how famous they are you need to be genuinely intrigued with what they're saying. Because if you're not, your listener base won't. And it just becomes this, this, you build resentment. And that was really powerful for me because as weeks and months went on, I started to build resentment against the podcast because it was pulling me away from other things that I really cared about, which was our business and our business to fitness podcast. And it was building up this other layer. And I was conflicted because the Jason Cleep brand was growing. The Emirate Mentality brand was growing. But the business was what was paying our bills, paying the bills of many other employees. And I felt very, I was, I was being pulled in different directions. And so the podcast I never did for money. I never did it for fame. I did it because I wanted to do it and talk to people. And eventually it started to take so much bandwidth for me that it started pulling other things in my life. And so we ended up stopping it. Yeah. And I learned a pretty bit. Anyways, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, absolutely. I was just agreeing with what you were saying. And I learned some lessons there, right? I... I, I should have taken my time with it. I should have maybe done like a series instead of like ongoing, just done like a three month series. Pick X amount think, of guests or topics, shoot those, get it done with. Exactly. But this ongoing reoccurring was tough. And then you talk about the vlogs. So yeah, you know, I hired a, a guy who was working with us. We were doing vlogs, kind of being the Gary Vee, the fitness space, perfect example, like you're saying. And, and they were good. I, 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 after I watched that before this interview, I'm like, I'm going to go back and, you know, they, they were quality. They were awesome. Yeah. It, it, but where they, 
and, and look, and there's no perfect answer here, right? But the challenge was, is that I had a few conflicting things. Number one was that I felt like I didn't like to be that guy who's super preachy. Um, right, wrong, or indifferent. Some people might think I am preachy. I, I, I don't like being preachy. I like to have conversations and share my experiences because I've been in the trenches for over a decade. But I hate being that guy who goes out and, and at times what social media really benefits from is people who are a little bit extreme. And I'm not quite as extreme as that. I'm a little bit more conservative in my approach. And so I didn't find that the videos were getting the views I was interested in, for example. And it was taking my time away from actually real business meetings that could change the trajectory of our business. And then I was trying to learn better what is my relationship overall with how much social media presence I actually want to have. And it's really, really difficult because when you start building up a media presence, you get a lot of benefits like connecting with you and connect with others and all these different things. But you also get some of the downside, right? You're putting your, 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 your name out there. You're putting your family out there, whatever. And there's some people that are really not nice. And those things were really conflicting for me because I found that I was spending too much of my time worried about what other people were thinking of me, who I'm never going to be able to please. Instead of worrying about those people surrounding me right in front of my face, that really mean something to me that I needed to make sure they were happy to. So yeah. all of these factors kind of came into play. Yeah. It's interesting that, you know, I, in thinking of developing a personal brand, you know, I think a lot of people look at what you've done and you've, you know, I look at it as, you know, I know it's built on nothing but hard work where you just stacked one brick on top of the other, you know, your global gym working at the front desk to learning about CrossFit to training for CrossFit to NC fit and set, you know, CrossFit set, whatever, like you've built it brick by brick. And at some point there, there's just an amount of attention. Anytime you do anything successful enough, there is some level of personal brand that gets developed because you know, there's a separation between Jason, like NC fit. Like I loved how you put it. NC fits the business. Jason Kalip is me, the personal brand. And then Amram mentality is a mentality is just, it's my, my personal strategy of attack on all of this stuff. But all these separate things start almost taking on many life forms of themselves, you know, as NC fit has success and wins and losses, you're able to talk about that. And people are able to relate to Jason Kalipa because maybe they have a daughter and maybe they married their, uh, their high school sweetheart and maybe they live in California. It's hard to get a, make a relationship with the brand of NC fit. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, in this whole thing with social media, have you seen the social dilemma? Do you watch that? Yeah. Documentary? Yeah. What, that's a, what I mean, you think? A, I mean, it's a great example. You know, I, I, I probably watched about way more than half it, probably like three quarters of it. And then I got the gist. I, I knew where they were going with it. And it was exactly, you know, it just opens your eyes to, you know, uh, social media is a really interesting thing because it benefits people who are trying to be polarizing a little bit of like it benefits the people who come out and say absurd things and it and it retracts from solid conversation like this that we're having and it also it it it, it encourages you to do things for followers and likes instead of doing things to have a deeper engagement and a, um, you know, adding value for your audience. And I think those are very challenging things, not to mention, you know, all the addiction components of it. Sure. It's interesting too, you know, obviously you said like, you know, even like I think about myself and the brand of WTF and it's definitely more bombastic. Um, 
and it's one of those things you're aware of. And, and I think, you know, you've, you know, you've got to sit down with the, the king of it, uh, with Gary, you know, as long as it comes off as authentic and not like a forced act, like you're being a caricature, you're like you're playing a role, like you're on a sitcom or something like that. And people can truly see it in you and they can feel context, things like that. It can maybe get diluted, but you're never going to satisfy everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, moving on with the personal brand, I, you know, I took a ton of notes here on this as I was going through. Um, I, I'm curious, like with, you were going that way, you had the conflicts, you're like, okay, I'm going to back it off. It's hard to just turn that off though. Cause a lot of, a lot of your, you know, probably the things people want you to come on and talk about, do you find that Jason Kalipa, the personal brand, no matter what you seem to do, that continues to grow? Like how many things come your way from a speaking engagement or whatever it is because of you being business, book writer, family guy, athlete, uh, like how much of that, like how, because you just can't turn that, you can stop recording vlogs, you can stop making the podcast. But it's it. The media is out there. People, someone's gonna find that vlog this this year who has never yeah. heard of you and is gonna be like, "Where's the next one?" You know, right. they're not gonna understand that. And narrative. I want them to, right? Yeah. That the reality is, is that I want to continue to enhance and grow my personal brand, but not at the expense of our business. And I think that's really what it comes down to. Is like, I want to do the things that I am excited about, and I want to do the things that 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 make an impact on people. And I want to spend the time on things that I'm uniquely good at. And going out and doing speaking events at corporate events has been a lot of fun. It's been great. But it's outside the scope of our core business. Our core business is we own, we operate, and we, we do the gym thing. And we're fitness, you know, online or in person. And anything that's outside that scope starts taking me away from this vision of where I want to build. And... I could go to these speaking engagements as long as I know where they fit into the, you know, playing field. But the AMRAP Mentality Podcast is a really good example. Like, there was a time in my life where all I cared about was winning the CrossFit Games. That's, that was it. I mean, I was dedicated to winning because I put in the work and I wanted to be on that top of that podium. But as time goes on and you mature more, your, your um, priorities start to shift. And you start having a family. You start having a business and different things go on. And you, you, you converse differently. Like right now, when you sit down with your friends, the conversations about what Pinot Noir you're drinking versus, you know, back in the day, you're talking about Coors Light. It's just yeah. a different conversation. You're, you're 17 in high school trying to go to a party and get drunk versus now you're trying to sit, chat about life, whatever, while you get a little buzz. I, I'm just giving yeah. those examples. Yeah. We, we grow, we evolve, we change. And I think it's really important that um, – we're okay with that. Like, it's okay that I'm no longer in this mindset of AMRAP mentality from a podcast perspective, like trying to learn about, you know, how athletes think about their workouts. I'm just, I am not as engaged in that anymore. I'd rather sit down with the founder of a, you know, show your role jujitsu company and find out how'd you start your company and what have you learned lessons along the way so I could take that information and then share it with my audience and we could all rise the tides together. That's what I'm really about right now. And the personal brand is a piece of it, but I think that you have to be really careful not to allow your inspiration to grow your personal brand take away from growing your business. And not to mention, if you want to build a business that's ever worth something in the future, it can't only be predicated on one person. You need to start developing and building your team and highlighting them is really important. So if it's all you, 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 eventually you got to start pulling other people into the fold. Otherwise you have no foundation to stand on it's just you 
Yeah, I, I tell people all the time, you know, for me, WTF is a job. I get hit on my bike tomorrow and I die. WTF dies with me. The gym still keeps going, right? Right. You know, our right. gyms are, are businesses. They're, they should be. And the goal for all of us is to have something that is sustainable beyond us. Talk to me a little bit about that. You know, you're, we have, there are individuals out there, smart gym owners. They've been in the game a long time too, maybe even longer than you and me. And they've now kind of, they've maybe graduated from the thing that used to really just light them up, getting Sally her first pull up. And now mm -hmm. maybe they've kind of like, they've been given a little business advice here or there. And now they love working with that business owner and seeing that business owner get it. What would you recommend is they try to pull the string on developing their own personal brand, whether they're trying to monetize it or not. What are the, the pitfalls that you maybe have run into or you would worry, you know, you'd give them advice on like, be careful. This is kind of the red flag when you know, maybe you're leaving the home base a little bit too much. I mean, it's a good question. I think there's a lot of people that have tried to build a business from consulting. I think that's kind of what you're talking about a little yeah. bit in, in some way, shape or form. I think consulting is a really interesting thing. Um, I really don't do any consulting just for the record. I mean, yes, we have a bunch of stuff, which we'll talk about more about our business, but I don't know if I've ever been paid without giving that money to charity for supporting a business directly. Like if you hire me to help sure. me with something. And the reason for that is that, you know, it's not that easy. Like, Hey, I have a problem re uh, acquiring coaches. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Um, are you showing them trajectory? Can you pay them accordingly? There's so many layers. You got to really deep dive into their business. And if I'm spending so much time on your business, I'm not spending time on our own business. So we try and share instead, you know, macro themes that could help owners. And so I think if you're a micro gym owner, and you want to kind of grow outside that space. I'd ask you a few questions like, how is your gym doing, right? Make sure it's rock solid. Because the first thing you do is if you start talking about your house, people are going to throw stones at it. You got to make sure that it's, it's, you're humble enough to know where you're doing well and where you're not. But don't, don't act like you're perfect because no one's perfect at all. And then as you start doing this consulting or supporting, you know, just make sure you're adding value. You know, look, if someone pays 100 bucks, but you're giving them $200 in value, that's perfect. But if you're taking money and not providing the value that you're saying and not making an impact, I think you got to do a deep reflection because that's doing a disservice to everybody, including yourself, because the longevity, it just won't last because you're not having a sustainable model. And so I, I, I would be aware of those few things. And then last piece, if you're spending all this time, we saw this early on in our business. If you spend so much time telling people what to do, you got to make sure you're doing exactly that. Otherwise your staff will build up resentment too. Like, oh, you're saying to go, you know, pay people well, but you're paying us minimum wage. I don't get it. Sure. You got to be careful yeah. of those things. Yeah. Cause once you become a personal brand and if it's, whether it's consulting or whatever it may be, your megaphone, this new megaphone you have, your staff listen, like, you know, your staff is going to listen at your, your, your members are going to listen to it. It's, you know, it's, it's so interesting. I'll have members uh, even reach out to me. You know, I, I have an office at the building uh, and they'll be, they'll, whatever, see me going in and out and they'll be, Hey, I listen to that podcast. And in your head, you're like, man, I don't know. That could have been perceived weird because I I'm giving business advice, talking yeah. about how, what a pain in the ass customers can be. Right. And, right, and right, that's a right. unique, that's a unique situation. You know, I, I think about the personal brand thing and I think about the amount of effort that put gets put into it. And I think there's some people that just 
you know, let's take it away from the consulting. I think some owners uh, might have stumbled on their own thesis. You can't, you, yours was AMRAP mentality. And maybe they want to, you know, they, they dream of becoming a, uh, a Donald Miller or a, a Jason Kalipa or a Bergeron and write a book. Maybe that's like in their, their wheel. That's something they, they dream of doing one day, taking the lessons they've learned, they've boiled it down to a thesis, and they'd love to talk about it uh, with people. And so to do that, they want to create a personal brand. What would you recommend like in the early stages? And obviously, you know, maybe when you first started, you had means of being able to hire videographers and things like that. But if someone has like, Jace, I've got this thing called EMA mentality. And I've been thinking about this thing for years. How would you recommend I start getting word out? Because I'm just a guy who owns a gym. I've never even thought about talking publicly. I don't, I don't post about politics. I don't post about anything on my personal social media. But I do think I have something additional to say other than, coaching constantly varied functional movements at high intensity? Uh, that's a good question. Um, it's, it's a lot harder to build a personal brand, specifically one that actually generates revenue than it might seem. And there's a lot of noise in the industry, a lot of noise from, you know, you have some people out there who you would think would have a crushing online programming, but in reality, they have a fraction of what you think they have because people are just surface level with them. And so my recommendation would be trying to identify a way to go deeper than surface level. So what that could be is longer format like this, YouTube content, something where they're not just seeing a picture and liking it, but really feeling, in, you know, in, feeling ingrained in what you have to say. And I think that a good way to do that is by capturing longer form content um, is, is a great place to start. I mean, a really good example is you take some of these you know, Instagram celebrities, Maybe you have a female who's extremely beautiful and she has 10 million social media followers. But when she puts up certain content for ads, it maybe doesn't perform very well because they're not following her for what she believes in or her background. They're looking at her because she's inspiration in some way, shape or form as an example, right? And so I think for me, what I'm trying to do is you want to be inspiring, but you also want to feel like you're educating people that you're you're adding value to them in some way. And I think that if you do that through long format or short format, something about that leads to longevity in the future because people look at you as a subject material expert and not just something that they swipe through. Sure. And going back to when you had first made the decision, okay, I'm going to get the videographer. We're going to invest in our own version of a daily vlog. Uh, I'm going to go on out and, and meet with Gary on these two attempts. I'm going to invest the time and energy there. What kind of conversation did you have conversations with your staff at NC Fit? Like, hey, you're good. I'm going to be here, but my efforts will be, they're going to be directed in a slightly different direction. And here's the benefit for our business. Or how did you have that conversation when you were in on it? Like you were all ready to go before you changed your mind. I, I probably didn't enough, to be honest, right? I probably could have done better. And in the past, it's been an issue, you know, maybe, I mean, this is probably like eight years ago, we started doing box to business seminars that were yeah, all for charity, yeah. me and JP. And it built a little bit of resentment with the staff because I was spending, you know, you know, a weekend and a couple hours on this and they, they didn't see the direct correlation. And sure enough, here we are almost 10 years later. And now we have our partner program and our collective position, which is directly related to that. But at the time, they didn't see that. And, and so I think I could have done a better job explaining the longer-term vision of how we're growing as a business. Um, and I could have sat them down and talked about that. That's something I should have done, whether it was for the vlog or box of business or any of that kind of stuff. Anything that's outside directly being in the gyms or direct focus, I think you need to explain the why to the team. Otherwise, they're going to create their own um, 
you know, explanation why. Yeah. So as it stands now, you know, your efforts are not in growing the personal brand adjacent. Like, are you going to do another book in the future? So as of right now, like if you ask me, Hey, do you want to write another book about mindset or competing? No. Um, would I like to maybe in the future, as this thing starts to evolve, talk about the micro gym and diversified revenue streams and, um, lessons learned along the way in regards to management styles. Yeah. And is that going to get, you know, New York best times top seller? No, but for, for, for this community, it will make an impact. Um, and that's important to me, you know, like our business of fitness podcast doesn't necessarily have the same audience that Amrit Mentality did talking about hundreds and hundreds of thousands of you know, viewers over here. And it's not quite the same on business because it's very, very niche. But in that niche, it's not only something I'm passionate about, but it's also something I believe is good for the industry where we share best practices with owners and then owners could then build a business that could then make an impact on their members. And so that's very rewarding for me. Um, and so that's where, I would, that, that's where I would go from a book perspective. I had someone ask me uh, before the podcast interview, be like, so, you know, what do you think Jason's biggest uh, obstacle right now in building his personal brand is? And my response to them, which I'm glad I believe you've kind of verified it, like, I don't think he has any obstacles building his personal brand. If anything, standing from afar, someone who's admired this individual for a while, I think he's gone obviously all in on NC Fit. You see what a what a product the collective is. You see the license program that's rolled out. And if you have a gym in California, bro, you've been juggling different things for the day. Everyone's been juggling. The fitness industry got hit super, super, super hard. Um, but man, the way you guys have been having, you're indoors, you're outdoors, all the back and forth you guys have had to deal with. I'm like, this guy's not messing with his personal brand right now. I think he's 100% all in. Cause right now, if you're not all in on your brick and mortar, you, if you're not all in now in a COVID era, my, my man, now's not the time to build a personal brand. Cause I'll be honest, I felt super confident in uh, if you would ask me January, 2020, Stu, how do you feel about your knowledge of the fitness industry? I'd be like, dude, I, I feel pretty confident. I could talk with the best of them right now. I will be honest in saying I have an idea, but damn, I think the next 18, 24, 48 months will be a crazy learning experience for someone who has been doing this since they were 15 years old. Yeah. And there's really great opportunities for the brick and mortar. Like I was just telling my wife this morning. Never in our lifetime will we have another opportunity like this. And right now, our business has had a lot of wins and some losses through COVID for sure. Like I'll be the first one to admit it. But if we could hunker down, hold strong, the exact same conversation you and I had just when COVID started, right? Yeah. Minimizing the bleeding, controlling, you will outlast and then you will identify what is your path forward that's going to make you uniquely successful. and. I'm already seeing certain things um, just from a brick and mortar perspective, the ability, especially in California to be able to be agile and be flexible. And the idea that people are more aware than ever about health and wellness. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of good, um, but you got to overcome the bad. So let's talk about your, um, the extra push you've done with NC fit. You've taken it to a, a licensed model. So um, I remember I shot you a text the, the day I heard the news. I was like, it was, it was shortly after you guys had announced the, you know, officially announced the de-affiliating and the whole, all that stuff across fit. But yeah. the license model is super unique now because obviously you've under, you understand, I'm sure you weighed the pros and cons of franchise versus license and things like that. Why did you choose license over franchise? Yeah, that's a good question. So 
You know, going back to, uh, I don't know, um, April, May, you know, when, when everything happened with CrossFit, I, looking back on it, you know, things happen for a reason. Um, the situation was super challenging for everybody. I'm not going to say that the way everything went down was perfect. I'm not going to say I'm even, I'm even that it's, it's, it's difficult the way it went down, right. With, with the way that things happened with Greg and Eric stepping in, it was very challenging. And, and at the time there was owners that were looking for support and we thought, Hey, we've been working on this for a long time. Let's, let's announce it now. And, you know, we got a lot of backlash. We had a lot of praise and a lot of backlash. And, Anytime you do something different or outside the exact norm, you're going to get both. Any um, regrets? No regrets. Um, I wish it didn't happen that way. To, sure. I'll, like, and I'm sure that Eric taking over as CEO would probably say the same thing. Like, I wish Have that what happened. With him? Have you ever yeah. had it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I imagine an Eric steps in and he obviously understands what a figure and a you know, figurehead you are in the, uh, the community. I figured this guy's got to be reaching out to Jason and try to be like, bro, just – come on back over and give it a try. Yeah. So him and I've had great conversations. Um, and my whole thing that I've been saying to people and I've been saying this forever is like, I'm definitely not anti CrossFit. I've been to more gyms, taught more seminars, been around it, competed in it than almost anybody. That being said, we're not anti them. We're just very pro us, right? We're very pro NC fit control. We control, you know, and build our brand. And I think we could, have a beautiful synergy moving forward. We have a little bit difference in methodology and, and we're going to be putting out some of that coaching content soon. But for the most part, we're all in the functional training space. We can keep moving forward together. Um, no regrets, but I wish it didn't go down the way it did. Okay, cool. I didn't mean to sidetrack you on that. So going back, franchise license. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So for most people don't realize how expensive and lengthy getting franchise disclosure documents are. It's crazy. Uh, on your side, I know how meticulous you are about your brand. You know, I came and got to see uh, two of your locations. I know how much you care about things. And one of the downsides of having, obviously, a license, you don't get to continue your business control over those individuals. And everyone who's an affiliate listening to this, you are in a license model, right? Affiliation essentially is licensure for the most part. So yeah. talk to me about your guys' decision to do that. Cause I know that, I know that probably had to sting a little knowing that you could have an NC fit in Georgia, just running a muck of the hard work you've put into it. Yeah. So good question. Um, as you said, it takes longer, costs more. Um, but really it's, it's for me, I wanted to provide tools to help owners and, when you have a franchise, it needs to be the same square footage, the same build up, the same everything from, from the step you walk into the way you leave like a Starbucks for, or whatever, right? Name a franchise, you know, yeah. name yeah. a, Orange name a property. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Right. Or instant repeated stamped shops. Yes, exactly. And I think, although that's incredible, it also, you lose some of the opportunity to see what an owner could be doing. That's really good. And then you could also learn from that if you give a little bit of uh, variance there. And so I think, when we rolled out the partner program as a license, we did it one so that we could have people who needed guidance and direction be able to convert easier, obviously, than spending, you know, a hundred thousand on a franchise, having to find a new location, get into a tier one location, whatever it may be. That was a reason. But another reason was is that, you know, we wanted them to be able to lean on us and all of our business tools in an affordable fashion. And we didn't want to make a huge barrier to entry but we do have a few. So where we're different than a traditional like anything goes model 
is that we have a relatively complex application process. It takes, you know, well over an hour if you're just screaming through it. I mean, hours. Uh, there's an application fee, so it's already a barrier of entry. So we can go ahead and do some background investigations on different things. And we have a committee that anonymously determines based on the background that we've found, you know, what is our feedback on whether that person should be in or not. It's an anonymous process. Hey, this is what's going on. Okay, cool. Um, and then, and what, and you know, so let me just dial into that. What, so are you guys looking for more the business acumen? Is this an established business coming here or is this someone that's sinking hoping this is a life jacket for them, that if I become an NC fit in Tennessee, it's going to save my business. Um, so with the background check and looking at that, that's more like criminal. We're trying to see like what kind of people were incorporated. Okay, so it's right? like an like, actual background. Okay, same thing like an apartment like, would take do on somebody who's going to lose yeah, like this, it, it, got it. You know, if we start seeing something that, you know, you and I would both say, hey man, that's a, that's a big red flag. Sure. Or there's some that, again, we have a, an anonymous group that goes over them and it's being presented to the group. And there's some that, you know, it's, it's just different, but, um, you know, we're looking for owners who want to treat it like a business and not a hobby. That's what we're looking for. If you want to apply and you want to, you know, create an awesome community and you want to do it in a way where you want to treat it like a business and create trajectory for your staff and build something that you can actually, you know, provide for your family. We are your guys. Um, if you're looking for this as a potential side gig, don't really care about the quality as much, whatever. Uh, just looking for a gym that you could train at. Maybe we're not those guys, right? And we're okay with that. We want people who want to be on our private Slack channels and our monthly uh, partner calls who are talking about how we could elevate this game together. That's what we're looking for. And um, that's what we've gotten so far. It's been really, really rewarding. And we're learning a lot as we've gone, right? We, we, we had already had a lot of things in place, but not everything was obviously buttoned up and perfect. And so over the last couple of months as we rolled it out, we've learned a ton. Uh, on on that i um you know i for a lot of the people listening that they're they're still that singular gym owner they haven't been in maybe the industry maybe they haven't been in other aspects of the industry you and me both come from a global gym background you got to understand guys it, at some point there's a way for you to grow your business and it ultimately relies on more corporately owned stores you open up more locations which you have obviously done all over the world and then there's a certain point where you can then look to grow via opm other people's money which is franchising or licensing those are the two growth models for a brick and mortar. I don't care if you're a massage envy, a Taco Bell, or an NC Fit. Those are really the growth models. Uh, each, each store you open up can't just infinitely grow. There is, there is a cap to each store you open up. Um, so let me ask you this. In, with the license program, is the, will you guys continue to open corporately owned NC Fits throughout the country and in California? Or is, are you going to kind of keep the shops you've got, use those as kind of your laboratories so you can keep giving the best results to those licensee individuals? That's a great question. Um, I'd say it's both, right? We want to have um, flagship locations that are our laboratories. It's really important that we always walk the walk and talk the talk. It's so important to me. Um, you know, one of the things that, about the license model is that we strongly encourage, like one of the requirements is that you have to at least be a part of our NC Fit Collective for 30 days, right? You have to go through that pro process because we want you to see the way we do our session plans, our programming, the different programs we offer. We want to be aligned on that so that all gyms are encouraged to use the same programs so that whether you're going into one in the East Coast or one in the West Coast, you have a similar experience. And so that's another factor to our process that we're, that's really important to us. It's not mandatory because it's a license. You can't mandate it, but we're encouraging it, of course. And we want people to be using the same programs. Now, in regards to our brick and mortar versus um, 
growing with uh, license. Um, I think that in the Bay Area, there's going to be some really unique opportunities in the future. I think all over the world there will be. Um, if we find the right location, um, absolutely we'll expand and we'll have owned and operated locations of our own. No problem. Um, we'll also be looking to grow through our partner locations. How many individuals, so when you made that announcement, how many people threw in an application versus how many do you have in the, you know, in the pot cooking right now or actual licensees out there? What does that look like? Um, we have 80, we have 85, um, like on the map, good to go. If you go on our website, you look at locations, there should be 85, maybe there's 82 as of, you know, yeah. um, so 85 licensed partners and there's, there's a distinction, right? So, you know, I don't, I don't take for granted, like, how much it means to align with the brand. I, I also think you need to earn that. And so in the beginning, if someone wants to be an NC fit partner and get all of our business tools, get all of our Slack channels, get our private, you know, uh, monthly partner calls, get, get listed on our map. There's so many value propositions that we have more so just from being in the trenches ourselves. If you just want to do that and not use our likeness at all, cool. No problem. My goal then over time is to earn your, your trust. And then you become, you know, um, Jim XYZ NC fit partner underneath sure. because yeah. you see value in aligning with us. And then over time, hopefully you see even more value. And as we're growing and building the brand and adding value, then you become NC fit, whatever. And I don't anticipate that to happen overnight. I don't anticipate everybody to be on board with that, but that's our vision. Our vision is we earn every single member every single day, just like we earn our licensed partners the exact same way. And for everyone listening, you know, with a license, you can't require them to give a naming convention. You can't require them to use Wattify. There again, there's all these things. That's why when you, if licensees that do tow that very gray line, they get the SEC on them real quick because the Federal Trade Commission is going to come on in and say, "Hey, you got to be paying some serious state and national uh, or, uh, um, executive taxes because franchising is serious business in the United States, in the UK, and the, overseas." It is, you could franchise willy-nilly like it's not a big deal whatsoever. It's way less strict. It's more like licensing in the United States. You know, the license model is really interesting. And I, you know, when I, when I saw you guys make that announcement and it, you know, even in my location, we've talked about that same thing. I, you know, it's like, there's two ways to grow. And now I feel there's, like you said, I think there's gonna be a lot of opportunities. It'd be really, really nice laundry mats that are going to go out of business, unfortunately. And that could be a future location for a microchip. There's a lot of leases that are going to be left up in the air with landlords looking to put people in there at a discounted below fair market value rate. And at some point you start thinking, okay, at what point do I have this figured out? And I have the flagship store or stores. And now I have my POC, my proof of concept. And I really anticipated to see a lot of licensed programs. I start, I mean, like I was like, all right, Jason's going to lead the charge and we're going to see other ones pop up, but I, I haven't seen it as much. And, and mainly because it takes a lot of work. It's harder a than a lot of, Oh, it's yes. You, I mean, cause you build develop systems to be replicated in brick and mortars that you can walk into and see with people you hire you like if urban movement does a license, I have to retrofit a gym right? If you open, if someone wants to convert their gym to there, you also now, and I'm sure maybe you talk about this, how do you coach the business owner to go from, hey, we were CrossFit Roadhouse, and now we're going to be NC Fit Roadhouse, yeah. and you know how people will react to that, because it essentially is a rebranding. Yeah, and, and it's not a, a perfect solution. It's not an easy answer, but here's what I will say. Rolling out a license model is not, uh, you know, all cake, you know, a cakewalk, right? Or 
whatever you want to call it. Yeah. A walk in the park. It's, it, it comes with its challenges, legal challenges, right? Just getting the, the rights and the use globally, for example, to, to your mark, I think is really important. Um, obviously, then it's all the systems and procedures. It's the onboarding process. And it goes back to what I was talking to you about earlier. Like, dude, it's really important to me, man, that if someone pays us to be a licensed partner, that they look at that bill at the end of the year and they say, damn, we got quadruple the value of that. That's that more than anything is really important to me. One of the biggest reasons why, again, we stopped Amherst mentality was that I started taking paid ads. And since that day, I stopped taking any paid ads on any, any, anything, because I felt like we weren't delivering on our promise. We got paid X. I didn't think I drove a return for that company. And I was heartbroken on it because I never wanted to be that guy. And that's the attitude we take to our license program is that we're going to over service. We're going to add value and we're going to earn that money. So at the end of the year, people aren't saying, oh shit, well, I don't want to renew. It's I'll renew for the next two years because of all the value you've added. And that's just the mindset that we take to it. And we've had to hire up for it and we've had to work hard for it. And anybody who's interested in rolling out a license model, I'm more than happy to talk to them about it and our lessons learned. And, um, or if you want to become a part of it, we'd love to, you know, earn that business as well. Yeah. I mean, and you guys, you clearly state it's on the landing page for anyone and I'll throw, I'll throw show notes and links and all that when this gets published, but you guys, I believe the license model, it's 2k a year, correct? Yeah. And one of the big things you always heard, it, it always drove me nuts. And I know you were in earlier, you were probably less than the $3,000, but for $3,000, it's, it's, and I hate, I don't want anyone. $3,000 is a lot of money at any time, but in reality to run a business for a year, to be able to use a naming convention, it's not a lot of money, but everyone would always like, but I didn't get anything for it. Yeah. And that's where you zoom out and you see franchise models. Well, pay $250,000, get it all right? And essentially what you're bringing to the table is just say, hey, license model, um, you know, very comparable fee to an, the most popular license model in the world in history is CrossFit. And it, it's a little bit less. And um, we're going to give you all these tools here. And yeah. I, think, I think for most people, I think you, the value add at the end is really gym owners complaining when they haven't figured it, they haven't figured out how to run a successful business and they're looking at someone to blame. Right. Yeah. Do you ever worry about that? Like, shit, what if this gym at the NC fit in Des Moines, Iowa, it doesn't make it. And he's going to be like, oh, that $2,000, what am I really getting your PDF on how to run the business? Didn't work, Jason. Yeah. I mean, look, at the end of the day, we're not going to sugarcoat it for people. I'm the last guy that's going to do that. I'm going to tell them we're going to give you the tools. You got to go out there and put in the work and we, we make no mistake about it. And it, um, but like, here's, here's an example of what we did. Um, October, um, our partner call was like end of September for October or however it worked, right? End of September was our, our last partner call. And we delivered to our partners um, our quarterly media package. And what that was was October media, November media, and December media. And so on that date, we sent them, you know, a trainer treat ad, a ad for, um, uh, you know, Cyber Thursday, whatever. Sure. And then um, some holiday stuff. And we, we sent them these blanket ads that are really well done that we've put a lot of time into and they can use them how they want or not use them at all. But at least we're providing them, Hey, this is your quarterly package, right? That was actually the first one we've done. Um, and go out there and here's some material this way they can get ahead of it and start. And we explained like how to incorporate it. And if they don't do it, that's their fault, but at least we're providing them the tools. It's the same idea like our private Slack channel versus Facebook. We really try and keep the atmosphere one of you and I get on the phone with each other. Hey, Stu, man, I got this problem with 
you know, whatever, what do you think? And it just feels good to be able to have a conversation with someone who's going through the same exact stuff. Cause all of us go through the same stuff. That's what our channel is for is to create this network. That's positive. Not one that you can't feel like you could say something on without getting harped on for sure. saying it. Sure. What do you guys, um, uh, you know, one of the big things for CrossFit, obviously the license model, um, I know OPEX, I interviewed Jim Crowell before he left mm, OPEX as a yeah. CEO and said, hey, Jim, like, how did you guys give geographical protection? Because they're doing the same thing. They, their market and their avatar is probably a CrossFit affiliate who wants to switch things up. And one of the big gripes of CrossFit, anyone can open up anywhere. Do you guys have geo protection or is it something you can pay extra for to have a boundary? Yeah, so I, um, I believe it's either three or five miles. I think it's three miles um, of geographical protection. Now, now, one of the factors also taken into that is, um, is population density is a factor we take into consideration. So like, for example, three miles in downtown Manhattan or downtown LA is a lot different than three miles in North Carolina, for example. Yeah. And so we have a, um, basically there's an algorithm that you, you base off of. Um, but ultimately, for most people, most of the time, uh, who get a partner gym with us right now, there's, we have a three mile radius for them. And we've had two situations come up where there's gyms that were in that radius. And what we do is we tell the person who came in second, hey, we're going to go to gym number A. And if they give us the blessing, then we'll do it. Because sometimes um, they're okay with it, right? Um, but yes, there is that protection. One of the other things we offer partner gyms I think is really unique is a job board. So moving forward, and again, these are things we got to improve on. But we have a wide network of coaches and owners that utilize our, our podcast, our website, whatever. And if you're a gym in Texas and you're looking to hire a new coach, well, you could send us that, app, that, that job um, description, right? And we'll go ahead and also put that on our job board. And then you'll work directly with them. We're simply just a catalyst similar to any other you know, job board that they would be on. Yeah. It's uh, I there's a company, a license. Most people have never heard of it. I had never heard of it. Uh, called Board Thirty. It's essentially this board you stand on. It's got clips and there's resistance band. And a woman named Flory Maloney Mahoney, sorry, uh, started this. <laughs> uh, Mahoney started this company called Board Thirty, and now it's got licenses all over the place, especially in Asia. And as you well know, the fitness market on the eastern side of this world is prime it's it's gonna it's gonna do great growth with brands that can align with their values and things like that and you know she said you know even with the license there were ways we could even create add-ons like if you could pay the base price and then if you also want the marketing suite we have that as well right there's ways for us to continue to work with you and i, and I really like that because i love the license model i just hated the the restriction of it you know, yeah. of like, because you don't want to tell somebody, but you would like to supply them. I recommend you do it like this, but all that has infrastructure. It has costs to it. You have an entire team of people creating that media package. You know, I saw, I think it's, you guys have like 10 points on your landing page for this, all the different things you're going to supply. That all cost you money because it's not like you can make it one time and it works forever. You're revamping that stuff every quarter, every year. And there's yeah. a cost associated with that to reality. If we really sat and looked at the unit economics, is $2,000 a year, even with 80 or 100 of it, pay for that with the staff and for you wanting to supply a good career for them? So I think it's, it's interesting. I'd be curious to see if you guys in the future roll out add-ons, you know, cost add-ons for stuff like that. Yeah, and look, the future, we don't know exactly. What I know is that I got into this game to do what I love for a living, to provide that to coaches and build this business. And as it's gone on, right, we have the collective, which is quite a few gyms are using our programs globally. 
and they wanted to dive deeper with us. And we didn't have a solution until we rolled out the partner program. It came out of the demand from our, from our collective members. And as we grow our partner program, we're going to look, we're going to listen, and we're going to keep evolving as we hear what they're looking for. If that's, you know, annual summits, if that's whatever it may be, we're going to continue to evolve, especially, you know, through COVID. It's been really beautiful to be able to get on the phone with these guys and talk through what we're seeing because we have a different vantage point than a single site. We're looking at it from different areas, including all the partner gyms giving us feedback. And that's nice to see. I love it, man. I love it. I'm, uh, I'm really excited for you. I, I really appreciate you coming and jamming with me on the, the personal brand stuff. Oh, on, on that, I had a question on this. and It was so funny. We were talking about it the other day. Someone asked, what tools do you use for personal branding? And I text them back. I was like, I bet I, Jason's been talking to me about community. And you, how are you liking that? For everyone doesn't know, that's, that's the phone number. It allows you to, you, you go ahead. You, you yeah, no, it. actually, it's a really good question. So I was talking to our head of sales. His name is Gabe Yanez. And I was like, dude, I'm, I'm kind of kind of over. I, I, I told him, I was like, I'm kind of over social media. That's what I told him. And he's like, dude, Jay, you can't be over it. It's a, you're, you gotta, you've been adding a lot of value. People look up to you. And so, you know, he was giving me the whole, and I was like, okay, all right. He's talking you off the ledge. He was talking me off the ledge. But I really like community because it's more of this, right? It's people could text me and I could actually text them back. And it's a really cool interface. Um, here, watch yeah, this. Yeah, dude, yeah. Throw it up on my big screen. Yeah. So yeah. you see, yeah, literally, see literally, bro, you could go in there and it looks like a legitimate text. Uh, and you could send audio messages, anything you'd send with your cell phone, typically you could drop. Yep. And then you could also have it on a computer. So the community platform is really interesting because, and a lot of people think they're not texting. They are. And I could actually have really cool conversations within reason, right? But I could send out, so what I do there is I send out a Monday uh, kind of motivation or what I'm thinking about for the week. And I send out a, a Friday, my favorite workout of that week. I send those every week and then I'll respond back to people. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, if someone wants to text me, that's a great way. Um, that's a great platform that I'm really excited about and I'll continue to build on. What's that number for everybody? 408. Do you have it memorized? <laughs> 706. Two, five, six, nine. I love it, man. I love it. That's, that, so anyone listening here, you're looking to develop that personal brand. You still have a thesis or you have a consulting or whatever it is you want to do. Um, to, to big takeaways from this. We're not discouraging you from chasing that thing, but just keep in mind some of the cautionary tales that have been kind of laid out here and some things to think about because everything always looks sexy through the window on the other side, right? It always looks like, oh, this is going to be a great thing. I think it's something to really think about is your home base and your business. Is it all tied up? Is it ready to go? Right, can you actually leave it? Is it an actual, you know, kind of scenario before you go and start giving business advice to everybody? Um, and then for anyone looking on the license side, if you've been looking for a brand to align with and you've been watching Jason's stuff from afar, you're an NC Collective member and you want to be a part of that bigger family and have the support of a, of a company that's obviously tried and true, um, check out the license stuff. I'll post links to all that down below. But uh, my man, it is always good to jam with you. I really appreciate you taking the time to. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. Just one thing to, for everybody to think about is whether it's your personal brand or your business brand. You know, what is, what is the plan behind it? Where, where are you trying to go? And if I had spent more time deeply reflecting on that, it might have helped me guide me from instead of moving completely straight, I moved a little bit left, moved a little bit right. And you got to learn as you go. But it's like, what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? If you want to build a personal brand, what does that lead you towards that's going to provide you fulfillment of some type? And if, it, and if you know what that is, hell yeah, go after it. But if, but if you really think hard about it, they might not align with where you actually want to go. So just think about where do you want to end up at? How are you going to get there? 
And if it involves building a personal brand, go for it. If it involves building your business brand, you know, spend more time focusing there. And um, obviously guys, look, we would really appreciate the opportunity to um, talk to you about the license program, the NC Fed partner program. So hit us up and uh, we can share some more details on uh, what it all entails. And, you know, so I really appreciate you giving us the platform and the time today. And, and uh, dude, your e-bike looks pretty badass back there. I got to get one. Yeah, dude, Super 73, they're located right in your backyard. Um, oh, dude, of course. Awesome. All righty, guys, thank you so much. We'll talk to you later.